You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, it's been a couple days since we've talked. How have you been, buddy? Uh, I've been so busy. And apologies to everyone on here and anyone who watches, listens to the Best Coast Boys show. I, I've been swamped. And, uh, you know, in my free time, when I have free time, I get to sit down and watch the Cowboys play like they did <laughs> Uh, last Sunday on All-22 and, and just have ingest that into my face. So, you know, yeah, pretty stressful week, Marcus. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> listen, I understand. I, I went back and watched it All-22, and I had to shut it off after watching the second half because it was just too frustrating. But uh, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Cowboys game against the Titans, maybe some of our observations. Uh, we're not going to do a full show on it because, you know, that game happened on Monday. We're here on Thursday. We've got other things to talk about. Uh, we're also going to do a little preview of the Cowboys-Eagle matchup. We will do a full preview tomorrow. Um, but we've got some big things that we want to talk about. And the first is Dak Prescott. Um, initially, when I watched the game on Monday night, I didn't think Prescott played all that well. Went back, watched the L22, and my opinion changed quite a bit. He actually played a pretty good first half. If you take out the interception, which, I mean, obviously that was the, the key point in the game, but I think Amari Cooper got held a little bit on that pass. But um, other than that throw, he really wasn't too bad. He had a, a beautiful throw to Michael Gallup across the middle of the field that was uh, just dropped by him. Uh, Prescott seemed like he was okay. It was the offensive line that was really breaking down. Um, I, I talked to you about this, I believe it was on Tuesday, about where does Dak Prescott fit in this offense? What can the Cowboys do to get him to play at the highest level? Uh, and you had some interesting thoughts. So what did you see from Prescott after reviewing the All-22? Well, I mean, I think, again, let's let's put in the largest con- larger context. I mean, this is the similar kind of debate, similar sort of you know hypothesis that we've had since – the beginning of how all of this was going to fit together. And, and uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that when you go back and you watch Dak have success, and, I, and I'm not even necessarily talking about just this game. Like, I'm talking about even throughout, you know, the rest of the season and, and beyond even, like the other seasons. It, it, it feels like there's... It's not just coincidental that he has a lot of success when he kind of moves at an up tempo pace, you know, yes, and, 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 and 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 operates out of a spread offense. And I can't remember just because, again, I'm very tired. <laughs> I've had a very long week. If the, if we had if you and I had this conversation on air or not, but you and I had definitely had a conversation, and, and I've kind of come around on the possibility on the idea that. Good, right or wrong, good or bad, like there is a disconnect in what your star players on this offense do well and what the scheme is trying to get the star players on this offense to do. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that's where I, I don't think that like 
when you look at it from you know the idea of the Coriel offense or a Scott Linehan offense uh, with Dak Prescott's skill sets, like those, I don't think necessarily aren't bad matches. They just aren't necessarily natural matches, and I and I think that that you know the play caller and or the quarterback, it's hard to tell at times, are exacerbating the problem by even further kind of you know trying to force uh, a square peg into a round hole, right? Whether it's the offense trying to make Dak play a more methodical game um, and then make up. Uh, inefficiencies from the pocket on third down, which is you know just not what he does well, or it's Dak, you know, trying to operate too much out of an offense that he feels like is limiting him, and then you know because we see both, right? You see you see Dak pressing uh, and then trying to do more than what's called for, and then you know running out of bounds and taking a two-yard sack, the unforced sack, you know, or right. uh, throwing a ball into double coverage, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, just taking off and running or throwing the ball away or, you know, like, uh, I, I don't necessarily, like, I think it's really, I, I think people have been trying to boil down a complicated thing very simply, and I think that's always problematic. But what I do think is clear now is that, the 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 opportunity for Dak to shine or make you know kind of make hay in this scheme or the opportunity for this scheme to make hay or do well with Dak as quarterback like those two are clearly not a match at this point like they they are not and again I don't think it's because the Dak can't run this type of offense necessarily I think that it's it's he can it's probably not his best fit. And then beyond that, they either Linehan or, you know, Dak is making it worse by not playing to by not calling the game to Dak's strengths and by Dak not playing to the scheme strengths. You know, there's there's some disconnect there with, that is making the not great fit, you know, even worse. So I, I think I guess what I'm saying is that it's probably time to move on from one of those two things, whether it's Scott Linehan and his scheme or Dak Prescott and being the quarterback. I think we finally, I mean, the end of the Tennessee game alone was enough for me to say, this is, this is just, it's, it's not going to get better immediately. So if we have to make changes, those are the changes we have to make. Now, the only other option out there is that you, and I don't think that this is the worst idea, and I think the Cowboys probably should do this, is they should let it ride out the rest of the season. I Well, what other choice do they really have? They right? don't really have a choice. And here's the other thing about this, too, is that's I mean, it's unfortunate for everyone involved, but at the same time, they've had so much time that it's hard to argue that, you know, that they weren't given enough time. But the unfortunate thing is that they, these changes that they made in the bye week, like, to expect that that was going to make its full impact on these on this offense in one week is unrealistic. Uh, But at the same time, like, you know, if they were looking for a lot of leeway on this sort of thing, they probably should have made these moves a lot earlier, you know? Sure. Um, Let's take a quick break and we will come back. And I want to talk a little bit more about Dak Dak Prescott. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast okay so you had some interesting thoughts on Prescott Uh, I just want to kind of add a few things in here really quickly Um, you mentioned the tempo and we talked about this on Tuesday but uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the running game this this team was built to be a ball control offense and you have a quarterback that really wants to play an up-tempo style of football that was your point on Tuesday kind of going back to that I think that's 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 the problem here. Is you've got basically two different offenses, and you can either you know right now the running game is not working and the passing game is not working, so they they're kind of you know they're tied to both of these styles and neither are working particularly well. So um, you mentioned how at, there's really no option right now. They have to kind of ride through the season with Prescott and Linehan. Um, you know, at the end of the year, what do you think is the best option for? Because for me. I think it's a lot easier to go out there and get a, a new offensive coordinator than it is to try to find a competent young quarterback who you can build around. Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's it's not even close. Like I, I and look, I think Dak can do this. I just think that you know he is not scheme agnostic. You know, and I and I don't know that really most there's quarterbacks, few quarterbacks are. There's yeah, only a few I mean, that, can, that really are. Yeah, and I think that so I, I think that. The problem becomes, you know, like, does this mean you need to change head coaches too? And, and you know, I I like Garrett obviously more than you do as far as the Garrett as far as the head coaching aspects of this, right? Sure. Like you, I think you and I will disagree about the effectiveness of his offense at times. I, I don't think we'll disagree about how effective it is currently, but I, I think that. Where we may have some similarities is that I I don't know for sure I like the way Garrett runs. I mean I I think it's hard to argue against the way Garrett runs the six other days of the week. It, I like the, the way he week. builds a team. Yeah, that, exactly. That's the thing. I, I love the way that they construct this roster. I think I think Garrett and the front office is really good at bringing in. Talent. I, I think they know how to identify guys. I think they know what are the right type of players. But when we get to game day, I think you're at a, a disadvantage most weeks. I I think that they what they need is us. And I don't know if this guy exists anymore, but they need it. Like because I like Garrett as the head coach, but I think they do need a, a strong, different play caller. 
And I, but the I, problem is, any good play caller yeah, that's is what going I'm saying. to leave for it to be a head exactly, coach. Exactly, a head right coach. You're, no, that's why it doesn't exist anymore. Is because the, the 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 real problem is that the league has become too offensive, you know, happy. And so any sure. kind of offensive play calling talent, those guys are your head coaches. Like how how many defensive head coaches are there in the league right now? Oh man, not, I mean, the, there's really one in Bill Belichick, but he has his hand in both offense, well, offense, defense, and special teams. So yeah, not so not many. My point is that like at this point, you're going to have to get another head coach. I mean, and and so, but but the, you know, of course, that also comes with its own pitfalls. And this is my my whole issue with changing head coaches is that I, I don't think people realize how much of a big deal that is. Like everything changes when your head coach changes. If if they could find a way to get a talented, different play-calling offensive coordinator, that would be the sweet spot. It, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like, if uh, Sanjay Lal, I don't think has any experience calling plays. But if Sanjay Lal was a play caller, like that would be perfect fit. You just promote that guy <clears throat> to offense. And I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying a sure. Sanjay Lal type. You know that that you think is a a hot young assistant that uh, has some experience there that you know may have a future there that you're you know you're getting early. Uh, underneath a, a strong head coach. Like, I, I think I that's think, the situation, but I just don't know if that exists anymore. That's the problem. I am I am for the Cowboys getting a new head coach this offseason, but I do want to kind of warn people that if and when the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage here because I don't think – I think Marinelli is going to be gone if Jason Garrett leaves. He might be gone anyways. Uh, you know, a new head coach could get rid of Chris Richard. It could get rid of maybe some of the cornerbacks that the Cowboys like. They could completely change the style of defense. So this defense that is playing like a top 10 unit right now, all of a sudden could lose a lot of talented pieces because they don't fit in with the new head coach's philosophy. So you have to understand. Everyone who's ready to fire the head coach needs to prepare themselves for worse times ahead, at at the very least initially. The Sean McVay model is not realistic for every head coaching change. No, but I do think there are – there have been coaches now that have had instant success. I'm looking at like Matt Nagy in Chicago. I'm certainly not saying it's – I'm certainly – it's – look – it's absolutely it's more, more. Yeah, not only is it possible, but it's more likely than it, it was in the past. So maybe my, I need to maybe I need to oversell sell the other way. But my point is, is that I I think people need to be prepared for that. Sure, that, that there may be turnover. You know, there may be what you're talking about. That stuff is not reloading. That's rebuilding, you know, sure. and, and so I, I think. And when you talk about the timing of where these some of these players are in their peaks. Like Dallas would be better served in a situation where they re- reloaded as opposed to rebuilded, rebuilt because I think they are they've got several of these players on decent contracts about to hit their prime, and so uh, that's where I feel like if the offensive coordinator would be a better situation if they got a head coach, there could be there may need to be more of a you know not. Oakland level rebuild. I, mean, I don't know anyone should do an Oakland level rebuild, but uh, you maybe know, uh, m- you know even more... even like Sean McVay rebuilt. He he had to get rid of a lot of veterans. Uh, he got rid of guys like Alec Ogletree. Um, you know some of the older types of players they got rid of to to get a younger roster. So um, the one thing I would suggest is. Um, that the Cowboys each week. At least, and again, this is my opinion. Yeah. 
that I think every season, and I can point to a few, that they're losing one to two games every year because of coaching, because of late game situations, because of not being aggressive enough, uh, like in a Houston game. If you got a coach that is, um, I, I don't want to even say a top 10 coach in the league, but a top 15 coach in those situations, all of a sudden you may be able to play better than what your talent suggests. I think it's been a long time since the Cowboys have played above their heads, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when's the last time you can think this team is overachieved? Maybe twenty sixteen. Is that really the last time? I I don't know. I mean, I think that no, I I don't think so. I I think the problem is is that they don't. Here's where they used to have issues. The issue when they were good, they were solidly good consistently and then they would be maddeningly inconsistently bad right sure now they're just maddeningly inconsistent bad good and bad <laughs> so you know what i'm saying like so like the jacksonville game i think was overachieving but i think sure. well you know, i'm saying like but, a season but, but, but long, like season no, long oh, yeah season long i'm you know i mean uh you know that year that romo fumbled the snap 2004 three S- Seven. Seven. I'm sorry. Seven. Uh, yeah. The year. Yeah. Six. Sorry. What am I thinking? Um, yeah. That that year. The, I think that was the last year the Cowboys overachieved. But they also. And that was under very, Bill Parcells. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying is I think Jason Garrett is only going to ever be as good as the talent around him. Okay. And but I think how, sometimes it's even worse than that. Here's the counter argument. How many of those coaches exist Bill no, Parcells is a Hall of Fame coach. Like Bill right. Parcells is maybe the only example of a guy who went to multiple franchises, not just like two, went to three different franchises and led two of them to Super Bowls and one of and, and then another one into the playoffs in a situation they had no business. Okay, so like, how many of those guys would you say are in the league right now that can get their team to play at or above their their heads every single year? I mean, obviously Belichick. I think Sean uh, Payton is one but of them. But you need. But I, I, I'm saying you need to even further fine tune your your question because the guys who can do it to their current teams, they have no value to us. We need the guys who can leave their right. current teams and come to us and do that. And that's, that's why I think that is where I think college ranks. Well, but see, that's where the rub is, dude. Is because sure. like you know, like as difficult as it is to move from the college ranks to the NFL. Now imagine doing that while it while Jerry Jones is your owner. I know that ultimately, and we don't talk about that enough, but that's probably the biggest problem here, right? It is there's it's, going to be certain coaches that don't want to come here because of the ownership, right? I, but I, I don't see. I, I, I look. I think it's a double edged sword. Honestly, I, I think that there is a, an argument to be made that some coaches will come here because Jerry Jones. They feel like Jerry Jones, if they if Jerry Jones buys into it, will support them and do whatever it takes to get things done. I, I mean, I, I think I, I do. I honestly do think it's a double-edged sword it can, because I think people said the same thing about Bill Parcells and Bill Parcells was like, what are you talking about? Why would I not? I mean, you know, this Jerry was great dealing with some of the stuff. I, they butted heads. He, it's not the same as some other situations, but I, I think that, it's hard to make the argument that Jerry Jones, if you can convince him that it's going to help his team win, won't do something for non-football reasons, really. I mean, you know, like, he'll do stupid marketing stuff. We all know that. I'm not sitting sure. here pretending that he's all football, all the time guy. 
but at the same time, like he actually loves football and like you know knows enough about football as far as owners go that if you can make a convincing football argument, he'll put the money behind to get it done. So I, I think it's you know it's not that it's better or worse; it's just different, you know. And some people sure. need to be able to deal with that and deal with those kind of personalities. Bill Parcells, being who he is, knew how to deal with that kind of situation, you know. Jerry, Jimmy Jones, Jimmy Johnson, because of Jerry and his relationship, and also because again of who Jimmy was at the time, knew how to deal with that situation. All right, so. We we have other things to talk about, but I'm going to actually save them for tomorrow since we kind of got on this coaching tangent. I, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we leave about maybe what the Cowboys can do at head coach or maybe even offensive coordinator over the next you know uh, year, year and a half. Um, first of all, if the Cowboys do fire Jason Garrett, is it a must that they go after an offensive head coach? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. But I, I, at the same time, like, I don't see looking at the trend of the NFL. I don't know how you don't like. How do you I mean, like, get? How do you I, get I a good offense in this league unless you have a head coach who is an offensive mastermind so, type person? You know, and and see that's the real issue is that the the job of a head coach is is very very difficult and it's and it's extremely different than the job of offensive coordinator. So every time that you pick one of these hot offensive coordinators to be your head coach, you're still rolling the dice that they can even handle being a, a, a head coach. Think about how many great offensive coordinators there are out there who were terrible, terrible sure. head coaches. I mean, geez, Wade Phillips is, I mean, the most cautionary tale. At a time when defense was having an effect in the NFL, Wade Phillips is one of the very best defensive coordinators in football. I mean, maybe in history. And I, I, not even maybe, definitely in history. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I mean, he could not do that job. He was not, you know, there were a lot of things that were held back because of his head coaching ability. Sure. Um, you know, but that's just something that you have to, it's, you live and die by that. So you have to just weigh those decisions. Is changing that, that head coach for a, young mastermind type or a you know more a scheme driven guy worth the downside of the you know the 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 problem is is that measuring all that other head coach stuff is very difficult it's hard to see it's it's like it's a lot of really small things so you know and and seeing what happens offensively on the field every sunday that's very easy to see right like it's about scoring points so the question becomes the, the the calculus there is how much you know how much am I willing to lose at a head coaching position in order to get a uh, scheming mad scientist you know Mike Leach type. Uh, I, I'm just I'm struggling imagine, with the, uh, imagine I'm Mike sure. Leach. As head coach I, first of, the of all, I would absolutely love Mike <laughs> oh, Leach. I would love it. A, I would love it, man. First of all, just the press conferences would finally be awesome. It would be back to Bill Parcells level press conferences. That would be unbelievable. But I'm struggling with the thought of a defensive coordinator type as your head coach because look at Minnesota. Uh, for the last five years under Mike Zimmer. The Vikings have had four different offensive coordinators because those guys keep getting head coaches, head coaching jobs. So it's hard to keep a system in place uh, on offense when you know you have a defensive head coach because it seems like those guys are always changing. They're always getting offensive. Uh, they're always getting jobs. So in today's NFL, especially when a lot of your money is tied up into the offensive line, running back, uh, probably soon wide receiver and quarterback, it, it's just. 
it doesn't make sense to have a defensive t- defensive coordinator type as your head coach and consistently change your scheme on offense every single year, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I would say that the only way that that's going to flip is in a couple years when we start to really feel the effects of what the NFL has done to the rules here and less and less talented athletes want to play defense in, col- in football. Uh I think the where you might find a soft spot in uh, an advantage point um, is if you have a defensive coordinator who can really scheme these less lesser than and lesser than you know increasingly lesser than athletes to uh, to be able to keep up with offenses with all the rule changes. I mean, this is that's that's kind of a more big picture thing. Sure. But as you look at the way the offen- the uh, the rules are going and the way the game is going. Um, I think eventually th- that will flip because their defense will be at such a disadvantage that if you can find somebody who is good X's and O's wise on defense, they could actually make a difference there. There, that difference making will be a huge gap uh, between the good and bad teams. So we were going to talk about Amari Cooper, Sean Lee today, but somehow <laughs> we we talked about quarter or uh, head coaches for the last twenty four minutes. It's- just the way it goes here on the Locked On Cowboys podcast. But true. We, will talk, we will talk about those guys tomorrow. We'll talk about the, the Cowboys matchup with the Eagles. Uh, we, Lane and I both watched some Eagles film over the last two days, and we came to the same conclusion. Uh, we will share that conclusion with you tomorrow, so make sure you guys tune in for that. That is it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. Make sure you check him out on the Best Coast Bo- Podcast, Best Coast Boys Podcast, excuse me, with our friend John Owning. Uh, make sure you check out the show at Locked On Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher, and we will see you guys next time.